You know, sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause so many things that go against us. But it's something inside our spirit that just keep us marching forward. We gon' be alright. We gon' be alright. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Tay, and I'm back at it again with another episode of my podcast, Failing Forward. I know it's been a while since y'all last seen me, and if y'all got some time today, I got answers for everything that y'all have questions about, so please do not grind me up. But if you're here listening or viewing this right now, I just want to say thank you for continuing to rock with your boy and support me. Shout out to all my family members and friends that held me accountable when I wasn't dropping any content, just checking in on the podcast to see what was up. For all of my adult listeners, you know, sometimes life calls and we got to answer that bell. So I'm going to definitely get into my hiatus you know, in a couple minutes. But like I said, just take it easy on your boy. I got an explanation for everything. <laughs> but no, y'all, I actually got some time today because I got my little puppy right here. He's sleeping. He's sleeping right beside me. So, you know, I got some time where I could sneak and record this episode real quick before he wake up and start wreaking havoc. So let's get right into it. But like I said, y'all, after a much needed hiatus, your boy is back and I'm doing a whole lot better since the last time that y'all saw me. <laughs> and like I said before, I know it's been a while since my last video, but I definitely want to take the time to reassure y'all that your boy has been putting in the work behind the scenes, like in full transparency. I really needed this time to step away from the podcast just to get my mind right. It's been so much going on in my life, and instead of ignoring all the signs that I needed to bring about change, I definitely had to get back to the drawing board and recalibrate a few things internally. So first things first, I definitely had to go sit down and talk to the lady, if you know what I mean. But no, in all seriousness, I've definitely been sitting down with my therapist week after week just trying to figure some things out and atone for some of those darker moments that we all go through. And I can honestly say that in these months that I've been away, it's been a great learning experience. I could feel myself maturing. I could feel myself growing and just approaching life from a totally different axis. So that's been great. Aside from that, though, I've done some traveling for work, but also I just came back from the West Coast where I got to see some of my family. And that's always a great time whenever we get the link up. Uh, I went down there for my auntie's wedding and it was so beautiful. Everything came together amazingly and it was just an amazing trip so if you're listening or watching this auntie i just want to say i'm extremely proud of you from the bottom of my heart and i wish you and your husband nothing but the best you know i'm rooting for y'all aside from that i'm hoping for a promotion at work so fingers crossed about that and lastly just trying to prepare for a lot of important changes that are about to take place in my life if you follow my socials you would know by now that my girlfriend and i are expecting a little one and yeah it's a very exciting humbling and nerve-wracking process because i feel like i just gotta get my whole life in order before this baby comes you know what i'm saying so it's kind of hard to put in words i've been crying a lot i've been extremely emotional and now is not the time to be all emotional because we got business to handle but i will definitely say that i'm extremely happy um it's something that I really look forward to, and it's something that I don't take for granted, especially being a black man in America, being a black father. So I just want to go about things in the best way that I can and just navigate this process with grace. You know what I'm saying? Empathy and love and just take all of these lessons that I'm learning and some of the things that I share with y'all and just put it all into this child and this family that I'm creating. So I've been going to all my appointments, as my goddaughter would say, going to all my appointments and just showing up, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times, I'm one of the only males at the OBGYN, 
and also one of the only black men that I see at the OBGYN as well. So it's amazing seeing the sonograms, um, going through the whole ultrasound process and then hearing the heartbeat. I always told myself when it was my opportunity that I wanted to be a present dad. So I'm going to be there all the way through. Like my life depended on it. And I ain't talking about until you 18. I'm talking about for life. You hear me? So when you go back and you see this, you with me for life. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely don't take this for granted. And I'm just really excited. So, you know, as more things happen, I'll definitely keep y'all in the loop and fill y'all in on that journey. I've been thinking about vlogging, you know, this whole process. But y'all let me know how y'all feel about that. I want to bring some new creativity and just new vibes to this channel. And speaking of creativity, I recently got selected as a fellow for the Creative Futures Collective, which is an incredible opportunity for people like myself who aspire to have careers in the creative industry. And up until this point, I've been involved in a eight week long cohort that covers the various things that you'll need to have in your toolbox as a full time creative. I've gotten paired with an industry mentor that works at a very reputable company. And then after that, I should have the opportunity to intern at one of their partner companies from what I've seen are Fortune 500 companies from the likes of CAA, the creative agency, Apple, the Lakers, Amazon Music and so much more. So I'm really excited about it. I've already started to meet some of the other fellows who are in cities all across the U.S. It's a big population of us in Atlanta. So I definitely can't wait to meet everybody. And from what I've seen, everybody in this group is extremely talented and has done so many cool things so i just feel blessed to be a part of it and i'm really just excited to see how this all pans out for me my mentor happens to work at bloomberg he formerly worked at forbes and i'm not talking about no random Forbes. i'm talking about the forbes if you don't know about either of those companies do your googles but that's phenomenal to have a connection like that and recently um my mentor works in a video department he specializes in media so he did an audit of all of my social media and my brand. And he gave me some really good feedback that I don't know if I'm going to share with y'all today. I think I'm just internalizing it all right now. I'm in the planning phase and doing all of the things that I need to do behind closed doors. But I can honestly say that going forward throughout the rest of this summer, as I get my consistency together, y'all going to see a lot of changes to the podcast. So just stay on alert for that. Like I said, I got a puppy. His name is Saint, so say what's up to Saint, y'all, but he's a beautiful baby. When I went to California, my mom, her puppies, they had just made it and had all these little puppies running around. So I'm like, yo, mom, let me take one of these joints home. She like, you serious? I'm like, yes. This one spoke to me because his fur is like brown and black and it's so nice. And if y'all wondering, yes, I named him after Franklin Saint from Snowfall. I don't care. I don't care. Leave me alone. I'm going to remember Franklin one way. <laughs> But no, I definitely named him the saint after um, Franklin, who is a phenomenal character. You know what I'm saying? On one of my favorite shows. But um, yeah, I scrambled, went to Petco, got him a kennel, got everything ready that I needed to do. And I brought me home a puppy. He's only 10 weeks. He's so small and beautiful. Every time we go out in public, we receive so much love. So say what's up to Saint, saint y'all. So I'm over here creating a family, man. I got a baby on the way i got a girlfriend and we got two dogs so i've been busy i ain't gonna lie to y'all and before i get into the meat and potatoes of this episode i would be remiss if i didn't shout out my homegirl chantel i can honestly say that she is the mastermind behind so many of the cool things that have come my way and honestly i ain't gonna lie chantel or shan spv 
you might have to become our manager one day i know you listening to this i know you probably watching it we got an accountability call tomorrow so i'm just throwing it out there you know what i mean but thank you so much spv for everything that you've done behind the closed doors and i can't wait till i make it big so i could tell the story and just highlight the importance of all the stuff that you've done for me behind closed doors and it may seem like a little bit but i just want to say from the bottom of my heart i appreciate all the lives that you've thrown me you are the real mvp but no let's get into what everybody came here for today so today we're going to talk about something that honestly doesn't get talked about enough and that's why i'm here so we can get into some of those taboo subjects that people are too afraid to touch on but today i want to talk to y'all about the importance of understanding your triggers and I would assume that most people have heard this term before, but maybe not in the context that I'm about to use it in today. So let's get right into it. For those of y'all who are unaware, a trigger can be anything from a memory of an event, an experienced object, or even a person that sparks an intense emotional reaction in somebody. And I put emphasis on the words intense and spark because usually when a person has been triggered, these situations can escalate rather quickly and leave the people in close proximity almost in a state of shock or confusion about what just happened because a lot of times the emotional reaction to the trigger or what i'll call a pain point doesn't always fit the size of the issue and to break that down even further for y'all i want y'all to notice how careful i was with my word choice when i just explained that so if you were listening closely you would have noticed the context for how i use the words react and respond as human beings, whenever we're blindly reacting to our emotions, it's probably because we haven't yet mastered the ability to self-regulate or self-soothe, which basically means having the ability not only to understand our emotions, but to be able to manage them independent of someone else. So in those moments when triggered, I think it's pretty fair to say that we're more than likely not in control of the behavior being displayed, especially if we're just lashing out or shutting down. Or maybe we are in control and we're just giving away our power, but either or, it's something going on. So instead, what typically happens during this process is our bodies, which are very intuitive, have built up a set of reactions to perceived dangers or threats in our environment. And whenever you, the person, come into contact with one of these perceived threats, your body will literally resort to doing whatever it's become accustomed to to navigate these circumstances until you give it a new set of instructions to abide by. And what I mean by this is your body literally keeps an ongoing record of any and everything that it comes into contact with. And this process starts long before you're ever born. There's a whole field of study about it, if you think I'm lying, called epigenetics. And epigenetics has revealed that our DNA is already being shaped and influenced by the time that our parents are in their parents' womb. So I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about by the time our parents are in our grandparents' womb our DNA is already being formed. So just think about our parents for a second and our grandparents and their parents and what kind of conditions they may have been experiencing at the time of being pregnant or even just through their lives. All of those experiences have built us up to be who we are today. So when I think about not only illnesses, but mental health conditions that we've been pre-exposed to or certain traits or personality aspects like that all plays a factor into that so look into it for sure but given the example that i just gave like imagine a person who has lived in a constant state of stress frustration 
anxiety due to the nature of their environment what kind of mind body alignment would you imagine that person to have would you imagine them to be somebody of calm posture who is poised and steady under all circumstances or the kind of person that struggles to cope or manage stress in adverse situations i'll let y'all be the judge of that but what i hope y'all are beginning to realize is that the mind and body are more connected than we often realize and the more work that we can do to become aware of what's going on inside of us the better we can become at responding externally to life's challenges i remember when i was a lot younger and i used to think people that were into things like mindfulness meditation devotional journaling gratitude affirmations yoga acupuncture therapy counseling life coaching were kind of weird if i'm being completely honest and i think a large part of this is because i ain't really have exposure to the benefits of any of those concepts growing up nobody in my household or in my community were active users in any of those practices and if i'm lying god could come down and strike me right now but i just didn't see it growing up on my end we gave our issues to god or in my community you drank and you got high so a lot of those ideas were foreign to me at the time but i can honestly say that as i've gotten older gotten more exposure to environments outside of where i come from and have become more educated i can honestly say that i've come to look at a lot of those things a lot different because i now know that if done regularly and consistently those practices literally have the power to transform thinking and behavior patterns through a process where new neural pathways are created in your brain each time you engage in healthy healing and restorative practices and this is important for us to know especially if you're somebody like myself who has endured a significant amount of trauma in their livelihood because when you experience certain degrees of hardship at pivotal stages of your life and impact of those circumstances goes unaddressed it's almost certain that you'll develop somewhat of a survival instinct that's not always healthy or useful as you seek to elevate and enter the next chapter of your life and because a lot of us aren't privy to the information and the tools that i'm sharing with y'all many people go out into the world living through the projection of their traumas where every living walking breath thought action and reaction is fueled by the thought of survival where self-preservation is more important than togetherness and the preferred style of communication is to act out of aggression where your peers or neighbors close by many of whom share your background or the color of your skin seem more like foes or ops rather than friends or distant relatives where everyday occurrences like a heated conversation or accidental touch can feel like life or death these are the impacts of trauma and a lot of the ideas that have been birthed from a person or a group of people that have been in some sort of bondage have shaped a lot of what we see in our communities today. So the next time you see a kid acting out of rage or showing signs of violent aggression, don't just blame it on Call of Duty or drill music because in a lot of cases, those things are just the outlet for what's already inside a person. And I personally feel like that's why they feel so called to it because there's usually something within those mediums that they can identify with, thus granting their loyalty to that entity. And this is a little off topic, but this is why the media is so powerful because it has the ability to reinforce certain images and ideas to the masses in the form of a narrative. Even if those stories only fit an aspect of a culture or make up a small demographic of people with the right push and a lack of discretion, certain ideas could go on to represent all aspects of the culture. But 
the truth of the matter is a lot of these negative ideas and behaviors originate right within our homes and in our communities, if I'm being completely honest. And it starts with the things that we have access and exposure to. It's in the things that we do. It's in the things that we say. And these ideas are being passed down from generation to generation, only being more watered down, twisted and contorted by the decade. And I say that because what's typically missing from these conversations is the historical and social context for some of the advice being given. And all of us know that we're living in much different times now. And some of what was working for our ancestors may not be the most relevant to the times that we're in now. So it's important that you use your discernment to figure out the things that work and some of the things that don't. And I say all that to say I'm currently in an area of my life that's calling for my own wisdom and discernment. And I notice because it seems like the same situations just keep popping up over and over. And whenever I come into contact with these situations, I fell repeatedly in response to these situations. And I think a big part of that is because for so long, I didn't even recognize that there was a problem in the first place. When you're so used to operating a certain way, sometimes it really takes something catastrophic to catch your attention. And I'll be the first person to say that as human beings, we can be hard-headed, so sometimes you literally have to fall and hit rock bottom before that lesson will pop up on you. And in the time that I've been away, that's exactly where I've been. I ain't even going to sugarcoat it. I've been at rock bottom trying to dig myself out of this hole that I created. And rock bottom, it looks different for everybody, but this is my version of rock bottom. But I can honestly say that, like I said before, despite all of the challenges, I've grown so much. I've matured from these situations and I'm proud of what I experienced because of what I'm able to share with y'all today. So I know I touched it on a little bit earlier, but one thing I purposely left out of the conversation was the impact of trauma and how it has the ability to shape and influence your perception of reality, especially when you're triggered. And I know the word trauma is thrown around a lot these days, but I feel like it's something that's not really explored enough in a meaningful way outside of labeling people and the stigma attached to that. But if I had to, I would explain trauma as the result of something a person experiences or a set of circumstances a person endured that left them with emotional scars. And if unaddressed, these scars tend to show up in the most subtle or not so subtle ways in almost every area of a person's life, which will then more than likely impact their ability to function mentally, physically, socially, emotionally, and even spiritually. And I want to give you all some quick examples of how this typically manifests in our homes and communities day to day. Have you ever heard somebody say, trust no one, love will get you killed, sleep with one eye open, alone makes you strong. Don't ever rely on the man to do anything for you that you could do for yourself. Nobody is coming down from heaven to save you. You got to get it out the mud. Or have you ever seen somebody come into a public space or venue and the first thing that they do is identify all of the exits? After that, they'll typically sit or stand somewhere with their backs towards the wall so they could see everything in their peripheral, but also all of the dynamics taking place in the room around them. And not only that, they'll also be watching for any sudden movements or gestures from the people in the room that would suggest that something could potentially pop off. And usually you can spot this pretty easily through body language, rising tones, or something as simple as a flinch or the raise of an eyebrow. And those Little indicators might inform you that, yo, it's time to bounce. <laughs> and where I'm from, this is normal behavior. We call it staying on point where safety comes first and watching your six is everything. And if you never heard that before, your six is the area behind your back, like the hand of a clock. But the funny thing about all of this is 
I wonder how many of us that come from environments like this or currently live in one have ever taken the time out to question the origin of many of the ideas that were passed down to us. Because if you think about it, it's almost as if we're being trained for war or some sort of maximum security prison and not to do everyday things like going outside to play, uh, going to school, expressing yourself or being able to build healthy relationships with the people around you. And a lot of us may just say, oh, that's just street smarts. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. But in my humble opinion, behind all of these ideas are a person and a reason. So I challenge everybody listening or watching this to reflect on your childhood upbringing and to make the determination of what ideas are still relevant to where you are and what might have just been a symptom of trauma that you might want to shake because you don't live in a certain way no more. But if y'all are still following me, I would hope that by this point, y'all started to connect the dots and some things in your minds are starting to fire off. But as a quick refresher, earlier we defined trauma as the result of something a person experiences or a set of circumstances a person endured that left them with emotional scars. And we defined a trigger as a memory of an event, experience, object, or even a person that sparks an intense emotional reaction in someone. And what I really want y'all to take away from that is on one end of the table, we have the emotional scars that were left from the things a person may have gone through. And attached to those experiences are a person's psychosomatic or holistic reactions to sad memories. And psychosomatic just means pertaining to the mind and body connection. And part of the reason that I get real wordy at certain points is because when I was a kid, I loved learning new words. I was the type of kid where... If I heard somebody say something that I ain't understand in the conversation, I'll pull my phone out on a sneak tip and research the word and stuff like that. So if y'all wordsmiths out there like me, y'all would definitely appreciate the little nuggets and gems that I throw in there. But I think this is a huge learning opportunity for a lot of folks, because what I hope y'all are beginning to realize is that your traumas directly inform your triggers. So earlier when we talked about big reactions to seemingly little situations, and I use the word little lightly because... There's nothing little about encounters that take us back to times in our lives where we felt unsafe or on edge. But a lot of times, these are the things that we don't get to see beyond the surface while interacting with people in our lives. And I think this is why this conversation is extremely important because it's extremely easy to judge things that we don't understand. And it's also very easy to accept certain behaviors of our own as the norm by saying things like, that's just how I am, even if the behavior is self-destructive. So if you're somebody out there on a journey of self-love and self-healing, it's imperative for us to reflect on what's become normal for us and how do we typically react to situations that trigger us or drain us of our energy. Are we the type of people that shut down at the face of adversity or challenging encounters? Are we the type of people prone to running away from situations to avoid conflict? Do we become people pleasers because we hate negative attention and we want to keep the peace around us? Or are we the type of people that would rather fight it out no matter the cost, even if that means going at somebody that you love? It's important for us to be aware of these things because the scary thing about trauma is if you don't have a good understanding of your triggers, it can almost seem like you're reliving an experience from your past in real time. And I really want y'all to digest what I just said, but... If you don't have a good understanding of your triggers, it can almost seem like you're experiencing an event from your past in real time. So whatever skills you developed out of survival or just in general to cope with stressful situations, that's usually what you'll call upon in your everyday life experiences, even if the situations are at a much lesser degree of danger or difficulty. So think about how you typically react to things in relationships, at 
family events when certain people come around in the midst of an encounter at work or school or hold on y'all dang my phone ringing is key recording a podcast sorry about that (laughs) y'all so i want y'all to think about how y'all typically react to things in relationships at family events when certain people come around in the midst of an encounter at work or anything that even remotely reminds you or feels similar to a situation of the past because oftentimes your body will react before your mind even has an opportunity to process the event and a lot of times that happens because trauma is stored in our tissues one of my great mentors sussy says your issues live in your tissues and this is something that you've probably heard on this podcast before but it's extremely true think about this say you had a parental figure who constantly belittled you and did things to diminish your self-worth and let's say you haven't really taken the time to explore the impacts of that on you Think about yourself trying to be in close quarters with people that are highly critical and known to make harsh judgments. What kind of feelings do you think that might stir up in you? Maybe it might take you to a place of not feeling good enough, not being seen, not being heard. Or maybe it might make you want to retreat from those situations or even worse, maybe it might make you defensive because their words seem to hold more weight than what they actually are. Because like I said earlier, most people are literally walking in a projection of their life experiences. So most times their comments or what could seem like negativity has more to do with them than it does you. But now that we got a better understanding of the link between us all, I want to give you all some practical tips for how you could begin to notice your triggers playing out in the moment, but also how you can do more work to intervene when you feel yourself slipping out of reach. So to kick off this process, the first thing that we want to do is develop an awareness and in-depth understanding of our triggers because we can't take any steps to intervene when they show up if we don't even know what they are. And if you truly want to see a real change here, this process will require a level of honesty with yourself that you may have never even reached because you haven't allowed yourself to grieve or fully process events from your past. So when beginning to think about all of this, I want y'all to keep in mind that having emotional triggers is completely normal. There's nothing wrong with you and these things show up differently depending on the person. And I felt that that was important to say because as you start to get into the weeds of things and making certain connections on your healing journey, it's important to realize that your journey and your process is yours to own. So giving yourself grace and eliminating any shame will be paramount because you may have grew up in the same house with a sibling for your entire life or had a friend that lived up the street and had a similar upbringing. But for whatever reason, you all process things differently and that's completely fine and normal. What we're doing here is not about comparing your reactions to trauma or having you think about how you should be showing up based on the norms of your community. What we're actually doing here is breaking down how you yourself perceive things from your point of view and how we could do some work of healing to help you function better across all areas of your life point blank period so as i was saying a minute ago common situations that may stir up intense emotional reactions in a person include feelings of betrayal rejection helplessness unfair treatment feeling smothered or too needed the lack of freedom and independence feeling unwanted or not needed feeling unheard excluded or ignored whenever your values or your beliefs are challenged receiving strong disapproval or harsh criticism insecurity these are all things that may drive an intense emotional reaction in a person and beyond the emotions of it all you may even experience some things going on in your body such as heart palpitations tingling sensations 
sweaty pores, your stomach may sink, your muscles may clench, you might feel like your blood is boiling, or your body may even begin to overheat. You may begin to dissociate where you are there in the physical, but mentally your mind has drifted off to another place. So when you notice any of these things, it's important that you stop and reflect on what took place and where that may have stemmed from. And I'll give you all a quick example of this. When I was growing up, unfortunately, I witnessed a lot of domestic violence where both verbal and physical forms of abuse were present nearly every day. Now, a lot of the elders listening to this podcast, they might disagree with that statement because they might consider being whipped with random objects such as a switch, extension cord, pots, pans, hot combs, and whatever else you could find around the house or outside as normal. But in today's world, I hope that we're all aware that these forms of chastisement are far from normal. A lot of times, we're not mindful of language either. So in many instances, we use words and phrases we probably shouldn't, especially when dealing with small children because words have power and it's a lot of things that i heard from my loved ones as a child that i will never forget i'll carry them with me for the rest of my life so moving on to adulthood i now realize that throughout my life i often found myself being triggered anytime i found myself in a situation where i felt like i was receiving what i felt was unfair treatment harsh criticism or any sort of conflict that felt physically or emotionally threatening. Now, I can't speak for all West African households, but I can speak for the Liberian and Sierra Leonean household that I grew up in. And a lot of times verbally, right, West African parents can just come on so strong. You know what I mean? Like the forms of chastisement, some of the things that they could say to you. It's hard, especially for someone like myself that never grew up in Africa. Um, I was born here in the United States. Um, when I talk about unfair treatment, uh, I was the only male in my family. Um, I also was the oldest of my siblings, so I have a younger sister and other siblings. But growing up in the house with my younger sister, I felt like because she was a girl, she got to get away with so much stuff. Whereas I was the one that was getting my ass beat, getting kicked out the house, getting on punishment, all type of stuff. So, um in my life, whenever I would encounter that stuff at school or in the workplace or anywhere, it really would trigger me and take me back to that place. And I would have these reactions because, you know, I was triggered. And I used to get called emotional a lot when I was a kid, even up until now, because I've always been the kind of person that gave every little thing a reaction. I know, I know, y'all. But I never let anything slide from a slick comment all the way up to a personal threat. I would address it because... When I did that, it would make me feel like I was more in control and a little bit more protected from much of the harm I experienced when I was a kid growing up. So as I got older, I built up all of this armor and I would carry it with me daily. And I didn't care if you were somebody my age or somebody older. I didn't care if you were somebody bigger or somebody smaller. A man, a woman, an authority figure in my life, if I felt disrespected or I felt unsafe in your presence, I would lay my sword in the sand and I would make it known and we would have to do something about it. And a lot of times my triggers manifested themselves through the lens of rage or anger where my blood would boil, my muscles would tense up and my body would just feel hot on the inside like I wasn't even there anymore. And I'm surprised that I never punched a hole in the wall, kicked down a door or something even worse because a lot of times those are the impulses that I would feel internally when you're a kid and you don't have no say so or you don't have no control over the decisions that you want to make or you can't do things that other the kids do. It makes you feel like you lack control in life. So when I got older, I just wanted to be in control. I just wanted to have that feeling of being dominant. And I've done it so much that 
I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it hinders me or it can be a weakness. I've said this before, but too much of any strength can be perceived as a weakness. But um, as I was saying, um, I would have these impulses and, you know, I would get so angry. And once those storms were clear, I would look at my friends oftentimes or my loved ones like my reactions were warranted or justified. And then sometimes I would feel extremely isolated when they didn't agree with whatever I had done or whatever I had believed. But looking back, I can honestly say that a lot of my reactions or actions to things actually weren't warranted because even if you do feel disrespected or like somebody had intentions to harm you, it's important that you make sure all of your responses are thoughtful, calculated, and actually fit the size of the situation in front of you as opposed to a one-size-fits-all approach to responding to things in your life. So I had to dig deep and ask myself, why am I consistently responding to things in this way? Am I really in danger or was I just triggered and it felt like danger? And once I became more aware through certain conversations or moments of reflection I would have, I realized that I had been carrying childhood wounds that would show up anytime I came into contact with anything that felt similar to what I had experienced growing up. So now that I knew this, I had to do the work of learning to manage my behavior in the moment so I didn't get used to what my therapist would call doing damage control after reacting poorly to things because it could definitely become a cycle if you let it and i want to rewind real quick so y'all don't miss anything but after you notice those sensations in your mind or in your body after being triggered it's important that you take a moment to actually realize what's happening you've probably been there before so use those moments of activation where your physical and emotional senses may be elevated as a guide to actually understanding the problem so just even knowing the fact that you're triggered and where that might stem from is more than half the battle but here's where the real challenge begins for most people because after you go through this process it's easy to think well if I just don't put myself in these situations where I got to come in contact with my triggers, then I won't have to face it anymore or I won't act like that anymore. But unfortunately, life just doesn't work that way. So inevitably, it's going to be something or someone that you come into contact with that's going to challenge you to go back to that place that you hate or where you show up as a lesser version of yourself. But at that point, it's then up to you to find the best way to cope or navigate the situation. And some of the ways that you could do that are through more general suggestions like journaling or talking to a trained professional. When it comes to journaling, I like to use what I call a feeling wheel, which consists of hundreds of different emotions for you to choose from. And they usually stem from the core base emotions, happiness, sadness, anger, fear discuss and being surprised once you get into the habit of actually understanding your emotions it'll make it a lot easier to spot them when they arise in a moment but also when you're trying to translate them to another person such as a partner or a therapist so i like to start out all my journal entries and therapy sessions by saying today i feel xyz and i do this because that then lays out the groundwork for you to explore the nature of those emotions and where they may be stemming from and i think this is really useful because once you start doing that, you could then start saying that thanks to your loved ones or family members such as, I feel very on edge when you raise your voice during conversations or cut me off while I'm speaking. If you want to take it even a step further, you can add to this statement by saying things like, my mom or dad used to do that a lot when I was a kid and it made me feel very unheard. And this relationship with you, I don't want to experience that again. 
And by using I statements, not only does it focus the conversation on your personal experience, but it also doesn't come off as blaming or attacking the other person. Instead, to me, it comes across as you're simply communicating your needs because when people feel attacked or bombarded, it's very easy for them to close up or get defensive. And I'm speaking from personal experience. And I can honestly say that this strategy may not always work depending on the communication level of the person that you're engaging with. But this, in addition to a bunch of other healthy communication strategies may definitely improve things outside of journaling and therapy of course mindfulness meditation is always a great tool to become more aware of your senses but i want to give you all some more practical things that you could do to better manage your emotions and some ideas that i've come across that i found really useful during my healing journey so let's get into it since we've been talking a lot about the body and paying attention to what's going on inside of you i want to share a really interesting concept i heard that suggested our minds always want to match our bodies so if you remember earlier i said your body often feels things before your mind has time to fully process and knowing this is useful because it can help us be more conscious and take more proactive measures before going into certain interactions and what i mean by this is have you ever gotten into an argument or a disagreement with somebody about something that you can't even remember when in reality you were just hungry agitated lonely or tired you could have had a long day at work where you received some tough feedback from your manager on a project you worked really hard on or maybe you got into it with a colleague and that event was really stressful for you. So when you got home, you didn't want to be bothered. You want to lounge around for a little bit, scroll on your phone on the gram, maybe even take a power nap to recharge, which is all completely understandable because these things happen right in reality. But instead of realizing that your energy may be off because you're tired from the day you find yourself getting into a disagreement because your loved ones recognize the difference in your temperament and they trying to figure out what's going on with you and your mind you don't think there's anything wrong per se you're just tired and probably just need some time and space to rest but unfortunately things just end up getting worse as the conversation progresses I've definitely been there before, and at the time, I didn't realize how much of a disadvantage you're placing yourself at to try to operate like this when you're simply just feeling unwell. So first things first, listen to your body, honor your feelings, and be willing to communicate your boundaries and your thresholds because when you don't, these things may impact how you show up in a conversation or an encounter. You might not have as much patience when you're tired or be willing to understand somebody else's experience when you're hungry. So it's important to become aware of these things so your mind doesn't create a story that doesn't exactly align with what you're experiencing physically. And a great way to think about all of this is through the analogy of parking a car. When you reverse into a spot, you definitely have to do a little bit more work up front to get into your desired spot. But in the end, it'll probably be a lot easier to get out of that spot because of the steps that you took up front to identify your blind spots in the beginning. So it's all up to you about how you want to approach things. Another great thing that I learned recently is that there is a beginning, middle and end to every emotion. And all this means is that emotions are temporary. They come and they go. And the quicker you understand this, the better you'll become at preventing yourself from making impulse decisions at the height of your emotions that could potentially cost you in the end. So the next time you find yourself in a tricky situation and you really want to listen to that little voice in your shoulders, just remember to take a couple deep breaths to calm yourself and allow your emotions to run their course before doing something that you probably might regret later on. Sometimes you just got to separate yourself from a situation and really give yourself enough time to ride the wave of your emotions. If you're interested, Drake has a really good video about this on YouTube where he explains the 72 hour rule. Check it out if you have some time because I'm not going to try to quote him verbatim. 
But the next idea is to doubt your level of certainty. And this is a good one because there's always more going on than what meets the eye. And when we, again, allow our minds to wonder about the many possibilities of a situation, we can often find ourselves getting into some trouble. So not only can doubting your certainty help you stay clear of drama or reading in the situations too much, but it can also help you keep the peace. And y'all know the saying, ignorance is bliss. The next idea is to not make everything about you. So because we know that there's so much more to people than what meets the eye and most people are literally walking in the physical manifestation of their traumas and insecurities, why exactly will we feel the need to take their comments to heart or their behavior toward us personally? I know sometimes things could feel very personal, but one thing I've learned is that everything that you feel may not always be real. So just because you happen to perceive an event and an a certain manner that doesn't always mean that it happened in that way everybody is entitled to their version of the truth so try and remember not to personalize things and to take everything with a grain of salt it's not always about you going off of the last point i made about there being multiple versions of the truth always keep it in mind that no two people experience reality in the same way with that said thinking about everything that we just discussed today I want you to think about if you were dealing with a person who has experienced a significant amount of trauma in their lives, like myself, which not only could lead to memory loss, but it also could lead to that person dissociating during stressful events. And I'm not talking about myself here. But if this is the case, how would you logically expect this person to remember every little thing that was said or done during a heated interaction? It will probably be impossible for this person to do this. But this leads right into the next point that suggests that memory isn't perfect. You can save yourself a lot of time and energy by realizing this and tandem with the next point about letting go of your need to be right together both of these ideas are about taking your ego out of the equation and operating more on a soul-to-soul level really leaning into your empathy to understand another person's experience needing to be right or always prove your point to the people around you can be extremely exhausting i know this from first-hand experience it can also make people feel like you don't care about anybody else's point of view but your own so just try to be mindful of that because you don't want to push your loved ones away due to something that could be easily fixed Another simple tip I've learned is to speak up and ask for the things that you want. And I know we hear this all of the time, but people are not mind readers. So if it's something that you need or something that you want that's within reason, allow the people in your life to be there for you. And of course, there's a difference between acting aggressively and acting assertively because acting aggressively is about dominance and acting assertively is about clarity and straightforwardness. And I'll say that tone is a key element here and i'll give you all a quick example of this as i love to do say my girlfriend comes home from work and it's a bunch of groceries in the car that she needs help with so she can start dinner the caveat to this is when she walks in the crib she notices that i'm on the game and i happen to be in a party chat with my friends so because my girlfriend happens to be such a sweetheart um but she's also used to doing a lot of things on her own she's extremely independent she will probably push herself to make more than one trip to go get the groceries by herself. And then when I finally notice, she'll probably say something like, oh, I just didn't want to disturb you. You look like you was busy, even though on the inside, she knows that she really needed help. So in this scenario that I just provided to y'all, my girlfriend could have easily just said, babe, can you put the game down for a second? I could really use your help getting the groceries out of the car. And it's certain words that she uses that really catch my attention when I hear them. One of them being help whenever my girlfriend says the word help 
need can you can we talk i pretty much know that she requires my full attention in those moments and vice versa so as you can see in the example that i just gave the way the question was posed was clear straight to the point and easy to understand and i'm sure i speak for most of us men when i say that when our queens can lay it down for us like this most of us the good ones will want to be of service to them and this way everybody is happy and there's no space for resentment throughout the process now as we come up on the home stretch, these last three ideas are really important for y'all to remember, and they're more on the mental side, but nonetheless, they are extremely meaningful. The first one is to speak positivity over all your thoughts and to stray away from extreme thinking patterns. Remember, your body has a physiological response to all of your thoughts, so you want to be mindful that if you speak negatively or passionately about your emotions, it will only heighten those sensations, especially when you're triggered. So whatever urges or impulses you feel, they'll only be exacerbated the more negatively you think. So in these moments, you want to find ways to calm yourself by saying things like, I am safe. Everything is okay. I will overcome this or whatever positive affirmations you need to get yourself back to a state of calm. What typically happens is we like to call our friends and our loved ones and they like to say a whole bunch of things to, you know, be there for us. And they actually think that they're helping. But in a lot of ways, they're actually doing us a disservice because they're only heightening those tensions and emotions that we already feel. So just be mindful about creating a positive space for yourself, even when it feels hard to do so because you're triggered. In addition to that, you always want to remember your power. Like I said in the beginning of this, whenever you're blindly reacting in a situation, you are giving that person or entity your power. And realizing this, I had to learn that nobody can make you do anything. You are the sole controller of all your responses or reactions in a situation. It's kind of like being a little kid and you get in trouble because the kid hit you and you go to hit them back and the teacher didn't see them hit you at first. They just see you responding. So you go and get in trouble and then you end up getting the ass whooping at home because you're trying to explain to your parent that this person hit you and they taught you to hit somebody back. You know what I'm saying? So it's just situations like that. Just to remember your power and always think before acting and making sure that you're giving calculated responses but we are a powerful beings so even when we think we can't control things or certain sensations are too high yes we can and the more that you start to tell yourself that you will believe it and lastly i'll leave y'all with this last thing we master what we practice and this is extremely important because at the end of the day people will see your actions not your intentions and after a certain amount of time there's only a certain number of sorries that a person will be willing to accept so if we want to get better at peace, we have to practice peace. If we want to get better at patience, we have to practice patience. If we want to get better at listening, we have to practice listening. So when you get off this podcast, I want you all to think about some areas where you could use a little more practice and be intentional about working on those habits for the betterment of yourself, but also for the betterment of your relationships with family members, friends, and even romantic partners. Because at the end of the day, we are all striving to attain peace. So we have to practice habits that bring us peace. And I want to give a shout out to Dr. Gabriel Conte. I want to give a shout out to my therapist and a lot of my mentors for a lot of these ideas, but also some of my friends. Like when I was going through my hardships, a lot of my friends was definitely dropping some gems and nuggets of wisdom on me. So I want to say thank you. I really appreciate all of y'all because now I'm able to take these things and help somebody else from what I've gone through. So I hope y'all get better at noticing your triggers and being able to intervene in the moment. I know a lot of those times and those moments could feel very helpless, like 
it's nothing that we could do, you know, to intervene when we feel ourselves just slipping away, whether you shut down and you can't even find the words to speak or anything like that. The more work that we could do to just become aware, um, you might notice it's like the stock market. That's how growth is. I like to explain growth like the stock market. The first time you might fail again, like you might shut down again. The second time you might feel yourself shutting down and you might do something. You might speak up a little bit. And each time you're just going to get a little bit better. And that's not to say that eventually you never going to shut down, but it's more so about noticing it. Right. And being able to you know, take a step after to best navigate a situation. And I know that as adults shutting down, that's not the best. We got to be able to communicate. So even if you got to take a step, take five, walk out the house, go play basketball, whatever it is that you got to do to get yourself right mentally, we have to learn how to do it. And it's extremely important. And we all can just act like we all know how to manage our emotions, even as adults, because a lot of this stuff just wasn't taught. So that's why I'm here to use my experiences to help a friend in need. So that was it, y'all. I hope y'all liked the episode. I hope y'all liked the podcast. It felt good to spar like this again. My dog is still asleep, so that's a W. So I'm going to chop this episode up, and hopefully I can get it out to y'all soon. And like I said, my mentor has been giving me a lot of nuggets and wisdom, so I want y'all to expect some changes coming to the podcast. Hopefully I don't go away again for months. I don't plan on it. Hold me accountable, y'all. If y'all really rock with the podcast, send me a DM or spam me on the socials and tell me to get right like a lot of my friends are doing. So I got a plan, y'all. Hopefully I'm going to stick to it going forward And I'll say like around July Right, July Hopefully y'all will notice some changes to the podcast So just give me a little bit more time to get things in order And we're going to start getting back into that mode of consistency But until then I just want to say thank y'all for listening I love y'all It's a pleasure to get up here And just share these thoughts with y'all And I hope it helps somebody as usual Because that's what I'm in this for We're here to entertain We're here to educate But also we're here to save lives And help people And give people practical tips And things that they can implement day to day To get better In even the smallest way So I love y'all. If y'all like what you hear, feel free to subscribe, leave a rating, do something to contribute to your boy. And I love y'all and I'll see y'all soon. Peace. Really it's our people who was dying for our purpose Our great great greats of our grandmothers and mothers I remember when siblings weren't dozens Nowadays these niggas would aim at their cousins He don't notice he taking the brain from a dozen More children in the hood who ain't never had nothing My brother's keeper can you guide me Before you feel the one of my possessions and you rob me Thinking about the people that I'm taking care beside me This shame will never matter to the spirit that's inside me The haters being black But it's still the culture they mimic Every time a nigga win they try to kill him with gimmicks Creating vaccines The cost of that dream Of coming together And that's word to Martin Luther King Time for us to do a thing A two stand on the truth Manifest bigger than parties Playing on the roof Million dollar niggas That got a spin in the coop They told me to sow my seed But I've been stood on the roofs mm. We really chosen up to you To receive it I know it's facts But I'ma leave it up to you To believe it Through black and white We can tell the ones Who really deceive it It's the beauty through the ugly That was steady and treat me My brother's keeper